Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for tuning into Crimeland again today. Today's episode, you're in su- for such a treat. I have Killian Sunderman on. He's one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Killian was one of the first comics who got on to me to say that he loved Crimeland. He's absolutely hilarious. I'm sure you follow him on Instagram and TikTok. If you don't, you should. He's so, so funny. But he's also just such a gorgeous person and such a nice guy. He has a show coming up at Dublin Fringe as well with the wonderfully talented Michael Fry. So be sure to check that out. I think the tickets are available now because the launch happened there last week. So do check it out. Killian is just such a joy. This has to be one of, if not my favourite, Crimeland episode ever. You're going to really, really enjoy it. A quick disclaimer as well that as ever, there are some themes discussed here which listeners may find distressing and we always strive to discuss these topics in a human and empathetic way. If you do want to support Crimeland, I would really appreciate it if you could give us a shout out, maybe recommend us to a friend or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's the end of my spiel. Here's your episode. Enjoy. And my name is Judy J. And this week, I can't believe I'm saying these words. I'm talking to the absolutely amazing Killian Sunderman. Hello, thank you for having me on. Two ends, apparently. Yes, and you could hear it the way you said it. Sunderman. I know. I really wanted to emphasize that. Now, Killian, I am so chuffed to have you on. You're an absolute mm. superstar. And what I love about you, Killian, is because sometimes when I ask people to come on Crimeland, they're like, oh, yeah, I can't wait. Love the podcast. But then I catch them out in that lie because the intro, they miss the intro. Welcome to Crimeland. Yeah, whereas Killian, you actually do listen to Crimeland. I love it, I love it. Yeah, as I was saying, we, uh, 
we converted a van in 2021 in January and February uh, in the cold, windy, rainy Ennis and uh, and Crimeland was on. We were like, what will we do to make this uh, fun? Let's listen to murders. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's listen to comedians talk about murders. And that's uh, so you it was were really, those, really nice. Because actually it did come. Thank you so much, Canine. And it did come up that I did have one listener in Ennis. So that must have been that you. Was me. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> I do. I do find true crime. It does make me do stuff faster. Yeah. You know, because you realize life is, you know, it can be yeah, like taken if, away. If I'm going for a run, I'm like, listen, I'm listening to true crime. It's yeah. the way to go. So, Kitty, and I'm so excited to have you on. Um, this week we're talking about this is a particularly pertinent one at the moment. There's a lot of talk about this guy currently, mm. Malcolm MacArthur. Okay. Would you be familiar? I know I did send you a visual. Yeah, you sent me a visual. Um, and he has a bow tie. Yes. Uh, and kind of he looks kind of like maybe. Someone who could have presented a science show for kids, but then he's fallen on hard times. Yeah. Um, we were saying it kind of screams born of wealth. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah, that kind of yeah, look. That kind yeah. of thing. Um, I did look and I did think bow ties. Would you have you my, ever worn a bow tie? I did at my uh communion, um, I wore a little bow tie and uh and I was looking, I was like, I think maybe clowns wear them. Right, so yeah. I mean, like, if we're, we're technically clowns, so maybe start wearing them at my gig and pull a string and it can spin around. I think, and you know, we were just talking about getting out of those awkward moments. Yeah. I think that would be a great one because yeah. that's, a, that's a certified yeah. crowd pleaser, isn't it? Yeah, if you're, if you're bombing on stage, just pull the bow tie. Yeah. Or if you're Frank Cook, you do have your guitar. So we exactly, were talking yeah. about that, like you can always whip out the Bon Jovi. I do yeah. think whenever I see someone in a bow tie, it reminds me of... Um, I not that I want to talk about it but thanks for asking I did go to Trinity okay. um, now I absolutely hated Trinity I was essentially Connell in Normal People where oh, okay. I just really didn't fit in initially whatsoever but mm-hmm. I remember my classmates they were very fond of a cravat oh, wow. and a bow tie so it's that really like look. that they actually yeah. wear those things They're like for real like they yeah. really did <laughs> so I do think now even looking at the visual of Malcolm MacArthur it just did bring me back to those Trinity okay. times so but he like, looks educated in the highest but he degree. did but he was a bit of a spoofer he went to con- well actually sorry I'm jumping in he mm. was a bit of a spoofer mm. so he wasn't as educated as you might think necessarily okay. Okay. Um, but like the rest of us sure we're all phoning it in yeah yeah I mean I don't like I don't know. I don't even know who he is, and I'm on a podcast talking about him. So that's like the top levels of spoof. Well, uh, well I was just saying, there's no, you're my dream guest, Kim, because there's nothing worse than a guest who comes along who knows stuff. Yeah. Well, I Anna mean, was asking me when I was coming here. She's like, "And what's the podcast about?" And I was like, "A guy called Malcolm with a bow tie." But that's what I like. I mean, when people come on and they know stuff, it's just so terrifying. <laughs> and you know, I'm not going to mention any names, but I will say, Burner Casey, the field, he just knew too much. Yeah. I, did. I remember listening to that and I was like, oh, I seems to know everything. He was like, it, did it was from feel... his area, though. That was like where he's from. So well, kind of... I mean, he's so he's from South Kerry and the field would have been North Kerry. So like not a million miles away. OK, so was that that's I mean, I would have said Kerry, but that's it's offensive. Pretty to, West Side okay. Story stuff. OK, OK. Yeah. Apologies. I know. Look. Totally different areas. Uh, completely. <laughs> 
You know, it might as well have been on Mars. That's uh... Well, it's funny because I actually supported Bernard because um, Bernard is like, he's really smart and really knowledgeable um, mm. about things. So I probably should have anticipated that he would, you know, know yeah. a lot about the case. But I actually recently supported Bernard in North Kerry. Okay. Um, it didn't go well. I would say probably like Bernard killed it, but mm. they weren't loving me. They weren't okay. really my crowd. Mm-hmm, um. Mm-hmm. Probably, I mean, if I'm being honest, I would say the worst career, uh, the worst job I've ever had in my career. Really? It was really bad. Like, they were just hating on me big time. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, obviously, needless to say, they were the problem. Yeah. No, definitely. I'm, yeah, I'm listening sure. to that and I'm going, those guys really need to check themselves out. Because... Look, let's just say my ovulation stick material didn't go down too okay. well. Okay. Maybe I need to change it up. I don't know. But that's just who I am. Okay. That's my thing. But anyway, look. Uh, right, dive right in, Bernard. We love you. Okay, mm-hmm. now I did do a bit of research for this, Killian. Okay. Okay. Um. So I read Wikipedia, which is this amazing. It's just this What's amazing that? reputable source. Okay. Um. Uh, I, I really recommend you check it out. <laughs> I also read a brilliant article by Liam Collins in the Independent. Justin Kelly wrote a great one for the Offaly Express, and I do have to give a shout out to Harry McGee. Mm. who is at Harry McGee is his Twitter handle he is recently so he wrote a couple of brilliant articles for the Irish Times and he recently released a podcast called Gooboo which is available on all podcast platforms and it's kind of a little bit more if you want the research guys Mm. I suggest turn off Crime Run right now and just go straight to Gooboo. It is a great podcast. Well, yeah, but if you're looking for witty insights and uh, funny riffs, oh, then stay on stop. Crime Run. Yeah. If you only have a half an hour, maybe stick with us. But yeah. if you if you want to know the story, Gooboo is the one. So Harry is brilliant when it comes to Malcolm MacArthur. He's mm-hmm. a real expert. So I'm going to dive right in, Kenny, and okay. if that's okay. Yes. Okay. So Malcolm MacArthur grew up on a large estate in Bremount, Trim County Meath. Have you ever been to Meath, Killian? Yeah, yeah, um, many times. Very, ni- very nice place. Trim as well. Uh, Trim Castle. Did a whole tour of Trim Castle. Did you do the tour? Yeah, yeah. I'd say that was kind of short, was it? It was quite short. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the um, what is it? I think that's where they filmed the Braveheart scene. Yes. And then they kind of just told us that. <laughs> and that was the end of the tour. Because <laughs> I used to live outside Trim. Um, you know Fred is from Meath and mm. it's gas because we were trying to get pregnant for ages and we were living in Meath and then we moved to Kerry and we got pregnant the first time we were there so who knows what I'm saying is if you're trying to get pregnant maybe move out of Meath Meath is I very uh, mystical and uh, there's a vibe and, there is you know like pagan centre of Ireland's con- it's almost you know like Dublin's the capital but the sort of uh, spiritual centre of Ireland is, is Meath really for isn't sure it? well it is because isn't that why they call it the Heritage County? Must be, yeah. There you go. And I know you're a fan of Newgrange. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. And that's... Kenyan started well. to salivate yeah, as I said good. Newgrange. <laughs> I have to restrain myself here, you know. I love that video you did. Where were you? Were you in Greece? Or... Oh, yeah. So this was... We were in... God, I can't even remember the name of the... So Tarragona. Tarragona, which is just south of Barcelona. And there was this Colosseum... And me and Anna were, I mean, I made a video going like, this is just, it's very hard for Irish people to see things like this because it's just not old at all. It might as well have been built yesterday. It's really just not that old. But we were actually like looking at it. It was before we were making it. We were looking at it going like, I mean, it's just, we're just looking at it going, I mean, it really just makes you think Newgrange is so old. We just have such old stuff in Ireland. This is really just, such, I mean, it's new really, isn't it? 
and we were talking like that it is a thing that we do like old oldness we've got that and oldness is, if that's the, that's the thing you should measure things against you know like, and that video like went com- like i mean sure your videos mm. always go viral well. but it was very popular wasn't it oh. Yeah, I think we have people recognize in themselves that we do tend to do that. I think like because so we don't funny. really have very big buildings or anything very fancy, but we just have we have old stuff We've and we can really stuff. point at that and go like this predates the pyramids. And like how often do we say that? I uh, do think as uh, if we is, built it ourselves. Is, <laughs> <laughs> Not to make it about me, yeah. but um but is New Grange older than the pyramids? It, it, I think significantly, yeah. I think wow. it predates them by maybe five hundred years or something, maybe longer. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, they're two thousand five hundred BC or something like that. Isn't that so old? You know, that is really. And then old. you see the Colosseum, and you're like, yeah, well, if you'd given us a bit more time, like, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like, come on. Uh. Because I remember Fred on one of our first dates. Um, I think this is kind of you know, it's just required if you go out with the Mead guy. Mm. They take you to the Hill of Tara just yeah, to see how you respond you. so, <laughs> so we, he brought me to the hill of tara and uh he's i said to him where's the hill though where's the actual hill and he said you're standing on it yeah it's not that high it's yeah. not that much of an incline no it's not i mean more of a bump really yeah. <laughs> bump of tara it's but it's like it's really no it's not even it doesn't even look like kind of like what a picturesque hill it's kind of just a a raised sort of ground but there is an energy though yes. there is, we're, we are giving yeah. me that for sure there's definitely, definitely an energy that's so what, yeah, Malcolm yeah. was a mead man now mm. he was the only son of Irene and Daniel and mm. Daniel was of Scottish heritage his father was quite violent okay. so his mother admitted later that her son once required five stitches to his hand after being bitten by his father oh fuck which I mean, you know, I give out about my dad, but like that's yeah. pretty bad, isn't it? He's my dad has never done that to me. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay, not to brag, <laughs> but he's never bit your hand. No, he's never bit my hand. Has he? No, that's a bit. Yeah, no, he hasn't. He's never done. I don't think so. I think I'd remember, unless I've blocked it out. Sometimes people do that with trauma. I know uh, it could be a repressed memory. You'll be you'll be cycling home. Do you cycle? I do cycle. Of yeah, course yeah, you yeah. Do. yeah. So you'll be cycling crying. home, and you'll just suddenly start to swerve as it all comes back. So look, things were not good by all accounts. Malcolm's childhood was really unhappy, and his parents separated in 1962. Despite his family's considerable wealth, because they were kind of Anglo-Irish, but they were Catholic. Okay. So they were straddling a very interesting kind of dichotomy there because like obviously usually for our international listeners usually Anglo-Irish would be associated with Protestantism, mm-hmm. Church of Ireland but they were Catholic and so yeah. his parents spoke with like very posh accents and he was actually very regular in that he spoke with a regular trim accent went to the local school and he seemed to get on grand like a little bit eccentric maybe you know stood out to to an extent but he did you know have friends in the school and seemed to get on okay okay um his dad died in 1974 and malcolm inherited when he died 70,000 pounds which would have been a lot of money at the time how did you not like uh, i think like like, 35 million wow yeah a lot of money yes big Big money. Big money. So he began hanging around the cool bars in Dublin, such mm. as the Bailey and Bartley Dunn, which were kind of known for like their eclectic clientele. I feel like these were, I think, the original hipster bars. Okay, so like Bernard Shaw. Kinda, yes, that was the vibe. Okay, yeah, okay. That, like pig. Like okay, it was pre-pig. Okay, okay. 
Um, just on a, a sidebar, I was walking past Pig and some lovely people who listened to the podcast. I can't remember their names, but they were really nice girls. Mm-hmm. They um, just kind of beckoned me over. Lovely people. And I was telling them the last time I was in Pig was years ago. And mm-hmm. I was shifting this guy who was way younger than me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, age is just a number. And then he turned to me <laughs> and said, like, we've been on a good few dates. Mm-hmm. And then we were in Pig having a bop. And he turned to me when we were in that cave part. And yeah. he said, I hope when I'm your age, I'm still raving. And that was the last time I went to Pig. <laughs> so I actually got a bit triggered even passing Pig yesterday. But anyway, so like, this is there a way like if pig. he's listening? I would like to know if he's still raving. Uh, I know. <laughs> Do you know? Every now and again, I'm like, will I look these people up on Instagram? That's such a that's such a bad thing to say. Isn't it so it's bad? Just... I remember actually because not so long ago, a friend of mine who's an an absolute babe, she met a lad and he said to her, "What did he say? Oh, you have a really great body for your age." <laughs> That's another very common. There is a thing compliment. I think at the moment where it's like people who are 18, 19, 20, early 20s think that like when you hit 26 or something, your body just kind of evaporates and <laughs> like you just become a hangy kind of mess. <laughs> they go to people who just look 30 years old and go, you look amazing. How do you look like that at 30? And they're like, what do you think happens in I like know. the four years of your late 20s that you just like... <laughs> Oh, so basically, this is what Malcolm was doing. He was mm-hmm. he was kind of living his best okay. life. And he was going to these cool pubs in town. He met this woman called Brenda Little. Mm-hmm. And her one of her best buds was this barrister guy called Patrick Connolly. Now, it was through her that Malcolm met Patrick. And Patrick was kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. So he had represented Charles Hawhey at the infamous arms trial of the 1970s when Hawhey was accused. Basically, the government were accused of buying arms for the IRA. Yeah, yeah I remember well, and... I don't remember it, but I, I watched Reeling in the Years that that, that episode. <laughs> Isn't it funny how like our memories are so confused? I'm like, yeah. did was I there or yeah. did I just watch it on I mean I in cry. I watched the Italian ninety videos and cry and I was like not you know, wasn't alive at all. But I just but you're not alive go- in nineteen ninety. No, ninety-three, I'm a ninety-three kid. Oh so, my god. This so is I watched I those videos and I'm like, oh god, my heart, I remember it so well. Even though like <laughs> My family didn't even live in Ireland. Like we, it was completely disassociated with it. But I, that Italian ninety was the first time I had lasagna. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, and it was the first time I saw my dad cry. But like out of joy. I mean, like it we was related were, to we the were football, a complex right? household. Yeah. <laughs> I like he's. I think he just really didn't like lasagna. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, so, uh, yes. Okay, so Brenda and Malcolm, they got together. So he met this guy, Patrick, and they got this really jammy number, Brenda and Malcolm, where they, a house sat, Patrick's old flat in Donnybrook. Nice work if you could get it Mm -hmm. um, in early 1982. So in May of that year, they decided to move to Tenerife. But Malcolm didn't tell Brenda that by now he was actually broke because he came up with this. Yeah. So he'd oh. essentially squandered all the money. So like you'd think 35 million would last you a bit longer yeah. than that. But yeah. sadly, no. So he'd squandered the money, didn't want to tell his partner, Brenda. So they moved to Tenerife wow. and he comes up with this big plan. So at the time, the IRA were committing a lot of armed robberies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he decided this is what I need to do to get rich. I just need to commit a few armed robberies. Oh, this is genius. Yes. So he's 
So he basically decided then, I'll go back to Ireland. He comes back to Ireland on the 8th of July, 1982. Mm-hmm. And he decamped to Dunira to plan where he was going to commit his first bank robbery. So he was thinking banks, that's what I should go for. All the while phoning Brenda, telling her that he was in Switzerland, quote, organising their finances. <laughs> so He's not lying. He's just the location is a bit off. But he is, in essence, if you were to like, you know, simmer it down he is organizing their finances um <laughs> he's just doing it in a very uh different way than what she's probably she's imagining him like with a, a, a bank book kind of yes, like writing numbers down in Zurich. and going like mm, i guess we're just gonna have to you know we won't get that second car this year but he's actually <laughs> bu- trying to buy he's an in uzi a, he's uh, in a bed sit <laughs> in O'Leary saying okay how do i how do i plan this so yeah. he decided that this was the way he was going to go in terms of getting back to where he was wealth-wise. And things took a very dark turn. So he's in Dunleary, he's plotting, he's planning. And then Dublin was experiencing a real heat wave at the time. Okay. So it was the 22nd of July. It was a Thursday, 1982. Very hot in Dublin city centre. And Malcolm is spotted lurking around the Phoenix Park wearing a very heavy winter coat, a cravat (laughs) and a tweed fisherman's cap. So he was really standing out because obviously it's roasting and he was just kind of behaving strangely. Mm -hmm. So he approached a couple of people and I suppose his intention was that he wanted a car. So this was his Mm. plan that he wanted a car, presumably to kind of, I suppose, have it as a getaway vehicle or whatever. So this was his intention to get a car. And outside the American embassy, Mm. a young woman called Bridie Gargan was sunbathing. So Bridie was a, she was um, of a a family of 11 children from Dunshockland County Meath. And Mm. she was a nurse at James's Hospital across, obviously across the river, uh, across the river Liffey on the south side. She Mm. was very popular. She had a really wide circle of friends. Uh, was known for having a really vivacious, gregarious personality. And she had stopped on her way home to Tunchaplin for a bit of sunbathing outside the American embassy there. So Mm -hmm. she parked up her car, was lying out, and suddenly Malcolm approaches her and produced what looked like a gun from the bag. Now, actually, when he had... In his jacket and his everything. The full get-up, the beard, the tweed cap. sweating so much. The wind... I mean, imagine the sweat situation. And, like, this is early 80s Ireland, so, like, deodorant wasn't a thing. Yeah, and I feel like people sweat more back then as well. I just think... I just... Yeah, yeah, just... I see videos and they just look like a sweatier bunch. uh, (laughs) We've, I think, evolved to be less sweaty. Uh. <laughs> this was peak sweat for sure and um, so he ha- he had a bag with him kind of a blue hold all and he produced what looked like a gun but it was actually a crow a crowbar a cro- cro- sorry it was actually a crossbow that he'd kind of fashioned to look like a gun because okay. he had a lot of time in Dunleary was it to be did he crafty. go to Trinity I feel like that's something was someone but you know Trinity what was would, so funny instead of like oh I won't I, I don't oh guns are so you know I want something a bit more medieval and traditional I'll go for the crossbow. <laughs> so it's like, he, I do it with pizzazz and style. You he know? actually, he started a degree in Trinity, but he didn't finish it. He okay. went to university in California, which is a bit random. Okay, His uncle okay. lived there. But he kind of gave the impression, people had the impression he went to Trinity and he mm. didn't correct them. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, 
So one yeah. of those, one of those. I guys. do that sometimes. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think I give off Trinity. Oh God, I hate the Trinity. I really was. I you was, don't give off Trinity vibes. Not to say, but I, I mean, just yeah. Didn't, I really, but I really didn't fit in at all. Like I was mm. kind of normal people just that first term. Mm. Obviously, yeah. then he did. You know, he Become became a, a global superstar. Yeah, so. and he was like kind of top of the class or whatever. Yeah. Like I mean. I was Connell up to that point that he started excelling. Okay, okay. And then... So just the, just the bad sort of first diverged. half of it. The, <laughs> just the bit the where redemption he's going to the arc, Ignore that. Yeah, and his mom's ringing him saying, you need yeah. to get out of the house. I was that Connell, okay? Um, so basically, Malcolm approaches... Now, this is so terrifying as well for Bridie because, like, imagine this is the middle of the day mm. um she's lying out sunbathing and this man is just coming up to her out of nowhere yeah and she like at first thought it was a joke but then realized it wasn't a joke and starts to panic obviously oh god so he actually bundled her into the back seat of her car so this god. is like really terrifying the middle of the day and what really kind of scared like it's just so terrifying the whole thing mm. he then she realizes of course that it's not a joke she's in the back seat of the car and like anyone would she really starts to freak out yeah. and she's panicking and then in turn he obviously starts to freak out yeah. and he starts bludgeoning her with a hammer oh, so God. incredibly vicious yeah now he was actually spotted by this guy called paddy Byrne, who was the american ambassador's gardener and he appears on the gubu podcast and he's an amazing interviewee okay. like he's great um he's in his 80s now so he ran over and tried to help this poor woman poor mm. bridie but malcolm actually sped off in the car where bridie was obviously bloodied and dying in the back seat mm. bridie frantically tried to flag down passing cars but nobody stopped which i just think God. is nightmarish yeah. because you'd imagine in the middle of the day you're trying to get people's attention mm. that somebody would say something yeah but nobody stopped and this is so bizarre killian so an ambulance pulled up alongside this car and mm. the driver of the ambulance spotted the St. James's Hospital sticker in the front window of Bridie's car. He also saw the blood, mm. the kind of well-to-do looking driver and the badly injured woman in the back. Mm. So he thought that he was a doctor oh, bringing this woman to hospital. So he gave the car a blue light escort through the evening traffic to the hospital. Oh my God. Isn't that unbelievable? Well, did, did he go to that... Wait. He, he this is the thing so we pulled in Malcolm pulled into St. James's mm. and then did a U-turn and abandoned the car in Rialto because obviously this has all gone horribly wrong okay so okay so he abandons the car in Rialto and poor Bridie is injured in the back and obviously when people happen upon the car she's in critical condition condition um she clung to life for four days and she died the following Monday so just incredibly sad Jesus. Um, and obviously as well this was incredibly emotive because you know aside from anything else she was a nurse like this was something mm. that people really found like incredibly distressing because she was just a nurse doing a spot of sunbathing yeah. after work like it was just all horrific mm. um, now so after he abandoned the car he called into a travel agency on South Circular Road and asked how he'd get to Dunleary so the person what? in the he, yeah he wanted to get back to Dunleary but why did he he asked the travel agent 
because they ran bus tour tours. Uh, so okay, he went okay. in and said, how would I get the bus to Dunleary? Okay, okay, okay. And I, oh, he doesn't have a car. Sorry. Yes. I was like, what do you mean? Like, he's, does he not know how to get there? I don't understand. <laughs> so he's, no, he, the car is, the has dart. been abandoned. <laughs> so he, he asked about this, uh, he asked about the bus tour yeah. and then the magic bus tour was actually the name of the bus tour. So then she, he said, oh, while we're on that subject, how would I get to Dunleary? Okay. So she was like, well, you just get the bus outside. But Malcolm went outside and he got the bus going north instead of going south. Oh, Jesus. So he he's, actually... He seems like a, a dangerous idiot. Like in terms I of mean, his own idiocy is, is, is very yeah, dangerous. Like just, I mean, dangerous and just, I would say not that smart. Mm. You know, one of those kind of pseudo intellectual people, like I always yeah. find that, that, you know, people who really try to use the big words mm. and their name dropping books that yeah. they half read yeah, like yeah, they're yeah. usually not that smart it's the people mm. who kind of really downplay their intelligence they're yeah, I mean, the I'm not that smart. I'm for. not that smart <laughs> I'm not really that smart Killian you're a genius okay yeah. well, so oh you, you, I mean you're saying that but. he well you only you only said you you said the only caveat to doing the podcast was I had to call you a genius we at had some point. three times actually so okay. that's the first uh okay. <laughs> Let's see how I weave it Contractually in. obliged to say it two more times. Uh, <laughs> I got the email from your agent. Yeah. I know. Okay. Um, no, I would. Yes. So he jumps on the bus. And even as I say that, all I can hear is he jumps on a bus to Dunleary, summer of Dublin. No. no. He jumps on a bus <laughs> and he ends up in Finglas. So Malcolm okay. now is really a fish out of water. Okay. He's in Finglas and he goes, buys a pack of disposable razors from a local chemist. He then goes into a pub called the Fingal House Pub, where he goes into the bathroom and dry shaves, dry oh shaves his beard off. So yeah. he comes out and obviously he's sticking out like a sore thumb. He bought mm. a bottle of water at the bar and then ordered a taxi, which mm. took him as far as Black Rock. Now, What's really weird about this weekend, right, is mm. that murder, it wasn't that common. It was very unusual in yeah. Ireland back then. In 1981, a total of 24 murders had been recorded in the Irish Free State up to then. How many? Sorry. The... Uh, 24. Okay. Yeah. So not a lot, you know, not a lot really. And then... That sounds like loads. I would have. Yeah, so? I thought that was quite a lot of murders. Really? Yeah. I, I don't, how many are done now? Because that's that sounds like a big number, but I don't did know. I, what did I say about asking questions? Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that was rhetorical. That was rhetorical. I was like, how many murders are there today? You know, well, no, how I know many? what you mean. So, yeah. would you have thought less than that? Maybe. I would have thought. I mean, this is you know, I would have thought maybe like five. Okay. Yeah, but then like maybe, like gang gang wars and stuff like that. And well, no, I know what you mean. Thing, and, uh, um. Well, no, I, I know what you mean. I suppose, like, look, we'd all say obviously 24 are too many. Yeah, But I, I guess to put it in context, that that weekend, so the weekend that this is all happening, because mm. this happens on a Thursday, that yeah. poor Bridie Gargan is attacked. Mm. Between the 22nd of July and the 26th, four murders okay. happened. So, like, when you think about that comparatively, yeah. it's a bit mad. Mm. So, obviously, Bridie Gargan was attacked. Another young woman, Patricia Furlong, was murdered at a music festival in Rathfarnham. Oh and a postman, Robert Belton, was shot dead by, by the IRA. Oh, yeah, the IRA. That's pretty... They, they were, been, yeah, they yeah. had a big body count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you got the memo, guys, yeah. but <laughs> the IRA killed people, just so you know. I know, I know it's all a bit of a lull now, yeah. but they did. So, 
So, um, uh, the fourth murder then was this young farmer in Offaly called Donald Dunn. Okay. So, Donald was 27. He lived just outside Edenderry and he was really into like clay pigeon shooting, which obviously would be a big thing mm. in the country, still is. Yeah. And he advertised a gun for sale. In- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. In the evening press newspaper. Yeah. So Malcolm spots this ad. Okay. And he rings him and says, do you know what? I'd love to buy the gun. He gets the bus down from Dublin and he arrives in Edenderry on the 24th of July, which was the Saturday. So he, so Saturday, so he's, are people looking for him? Well, this, yeah, it's, so he, they're not looking for him specifically, Mm. but obviously this attack, they're looking for his description uh, like obviously he's a well dressed man the woman actually in the travel agency was really helpful like she was like he was well spoken she also said that it seemed like he was used to having servants which I think PS is never a good comment to make when I, like if somebody's saying that about you it's like okay you're a dick take, I, I'll take that off my Tinder profile yeah so uh, <laughs> I think... yeah my name's Kenny and I'm quite used to having servants uh, so anyway uh... so yes so he so she it was very much like even as he's running from the scene of of a crime he was yeah. like get me water get okay. me a taxi like yeah, this yeah, was yeah. the vibe alright so, yeah. so they're looking for a well dressed well spoken man which obviously goes goes out saying this is an incredibly unusual attack in Dublin especially in 1982 mm-hmm. so the guards are looking for um, for somebody who matches his description they don't have a name yet but he did leave behind a shovel which had fingerprints in it um, okay. the shovel obviously indicating that he had planned to kill and presumably bury a body so you know that like obviously is very macabre Mm. but there were fingerprints on the shovel yeah and then also he'd left an item of clothing he left a jumper behind in the car as well but they hadn't released that information but they were definitely looking for Mm. someone um but what happened on the Saturday was that he went down from Dublin. He actually spent the night sleeping on a park bench in Edenderry okay. because he'd arranged to meet Donald on the Sunday. So then the Sunday morning, this is two days now after Bridie had mm. been attacked, he rang Donald on the phone and he asked him to collect him. So he went to a payphone, asked him to meet him in Edenderry. Donald yeah. collected him and they drove out to a clay pigeon shooting range yeah. where basically, obviously, Donald takes out the gun he shows him the gun 
And Malcolm would later say in his statement that like he was trying to kill time because he obviously didn't have any money. So mm. he was very straight up that the reason he, well, according to himself later in his written confession, the reason he embarked on this insane killing spree was that he wanted money. Yeah. So he didn't have any money to give for the gun and he was trying to think how to get out of it. And what he said was, was that Donald obviously got a bit impatient then like, look, you're either buying the gun or you're not, or mm. you're not. He then proceeded to horrifically shoot Donal in the face, execution style. It, obviously horrendous, horrendous. You know, this happened in the middle of the day. Mm. Um, so an execution style murder. And he then robbed Donal of his gun and his car, drove back to Dublin. And uh, this was very, like, this is another bizarre twist. So there was actually awfully were playing a match mm. in Croke Park mm -hmm. so there was even this like car of people who a family actually followed Mark Arthur's car because they presumed they saw the Offaly Reg they didn't know how to get to Croke Park oh my god and they were like let's follow this car we've all done it <laughs> and they, they, then Mark Arthur abandons his car in Temple Bar so yeah. he does again abandons the car did that family car. ever make it to the car <laughs> They did. Don't yeah. worry. Okay, that that would make this even more tragic. No, they did. They did. Did awfully win. Actually, <laughs> I must look that up actually to see did they win. Um. Okay. So. Uh. Yes. So he abandons the car. He abandons the car in Temple Bar. Later that day, a Dublin family was a Dublin family were picnicking in a field near Edenderry. So this is so sad. It was actually one of the children in that family who oh discovered God. Donald's body, only seven years old. So sake. again, it points to maybe Malcolm's mindset at the time that he didn't even disguise this body, really. Mm. Like it was a very poor attempt to disguise yeah. the body. So just absolutely horrific, you know, for the child who made this discovery. Now, I suppose he's gone back to, so he's gone back to Dunleary. At this point, the guards straight away linked the two cases because mm. this is like incredible violence within a short space of time. Yeah. Again, MacArthur really, like Malcolm really stuck out like a sore thumb in Edenderry. Yeah. So they linked the two cases straight away. Malcolm's gone back to Dunleary and then he said, look, I need to rob people now because I need money. Again, this was kind of what was driving him all the time. Yeah. So hilariously, his first attempt at a robbery, he went to rob a home of a casual acquaintance in Fitzwilliam Square but the person opened the door and he thought they'd be alone but actually his family were with him and they invited him in for dinner <laughs> and he ended up going in for dinner and he socialised and hung out until half past one oh, for so he sake. landed at the door and he had these plastic gloves on and they were like where are you going with the gloves and he was oh, like God. oh yeah no I've dermatitis what, what, was what he is, said why would he rob his friends well casual acquaintance so I think you know the way like social circle like knew of them knew where they live knew can you they imagine were what they thought when they saw him they, were, they must have been like oh fuck's sake man <laughs> I mean you, I know you but like show up to my house on, on a, what, a, a Sunday night do you know it's so like... funny <laughs> I was just talking a friend of mine um, last night was telling me about this girl that she used to live with back mm. in the early noughties because yeah. um, obviously I'm I'm a little bit older than Killian and she said that she got in touch and mm. was like listen I'm in Dublin for a week is there any chance I could stay with you and I was mm. like would you be talking like she lives in Germany this girl mm. I was like would you be talking to her regularly she's like no I haven't spoken to her for years 
And I was like, I would just tell her, look, the last time we we actually hung out, the twin towers were still smoldering. <laughs> like that's how long. Like because that's like that's like twenty yeah. years. Like two thousand and three, they lived together. <laughs> twin towers. I could just embers. Imagine. Who is it? it? It's Malcolm. Oh. Do you want to come in for dinner? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's with the gloves? Just, oh, no. Dermatitis. 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 Yeah. Oh, that's, a, yeah, we have dinner. Uh, you want to come in? And he just stays there? Till half past So, one. I mean. Yeah. Hanging out, nice apparently time. talking about like Georgian architecture and that kind of thing. Like God. some pseudo intellectual stuff. And your man's daughter actually commented when he took off the gloves, like there was no sign of any dermatitis. Mm. So she was like, what is going on with your man? Anyway, so complete disaster didn't mm. work out. Few days later on the 4th of August, a retired American diplomat in Kalini called Harry Beeling got a knock on his door and who was there? Only Malcolm. Saying that he had been in this house a few years earlier and that he wanted to photograph the view of the bay because he remembered it had this gorgeous view of the bay. Okay. So I think what we're saying is this was a very trusting time because mm. your man let him in, didn't really remember him, but let him into his house. And then once inside, Malcolm threatened Harry with a gun. Mm. He offered, Harry offered to go. So basically he said he wanted money. Harry said, I don't have any money. And Malcolm said, maybe you'd write me a check, which again, world's worst criminal stuff Jeez here. Jeez Louise. So he said, oh yes, I think my checkbook is in the is in another room. Obviously they go to the other room and Harry makes, you know, he makes a run for it. So he flees. Malcolm in turn escaped to Dalkey. He gets away. He gets away. Oh, thank God. So Malcolm in turn escaped to Dalkey, where he talked his way into the home of an old acquaintance. The old friend by the name of Patrick Conley, who was now Killian, none other than the Attorney General. Oh, Jesus. Yes. So basically, Brenda had rang Patrick, her mate. Mm. And he, she was like, look, would you mind if Malcolm stays with you? It's just he's too shy to ask himself. And mm -hmm. Patrick was like, no problem. And he was completely unaware, as the Eternal General, that he was in fact giving shelter to the most wanted man in the history of the Irish state. Oh, my God. Isn't that unbelievable? It's insane. Insane. That is really absolutely like, nuts. Ireland's too small. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that just the, like that can't be allowed to happen. It would happen in no <laughs> other country in the world. Like, like maybe Luxembourg. The policeman, like looking, like the head honcho, is like, we're looking for him. We're looking for him. He's in your house. He's actually <laughs> sleeping on your sofa at the moment. It's like we're following all the leads we can. Um, yeah, sorry that. Yeah, just get some pillows. Yeah, yeah. We're following all the leads we can. Um, no, make yourself a home. It's fine. Uh, like it just doesn't. Just insane. Like he's there. Insane. He's behind. It's like a pantomime. He's right behind you. <laughs> pantomime. <laughs> I mean, just crazy. So after this incident with Harry Beeling, obviously Harry Beeling's really shook. This again, more bizarre, bizarre behaviour from Malcolm. Malcolm basically made a truly, truly mad move that would ultimately lead to his undoing. So the following day, he rang Harry. And when Harry answered, he said that he could hear, which again just adds to this whole, like, really, just this whole, I suppose, oddness that surrounds Malcolm MacArthur. Mm. Harry said that he could hear Beethoven's Seventh Symphony being played in the background. So mm. it's Malcolm on the phone. Oh, I, love, I love the Seventh. I yeah. know, it's That's my the, favourite symphony. The, mm, da, 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 or what one is it? I think it's the one, I can't get no sleep. sleep, sleep like that sleep. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love one. it. Um, <laughs> so Malcolm's on the phone. He said, hello, this is your friend from yesterday. Why did you run? 
And he said, look, Harry, it was all a big joke and maybe one of us should ring the guards. So Harry said, well, I think you should ring the guards. And unbelievably, that's exactly what Malcolm did. So Malcolm got off the phone from Harry. He rang Docky Guard Station. Yeah, so I think his this was his thinking. He was like, I'm going to nip this in the bud before they think that there was anything untoward going on. So Harry knew him beforehand? Or? Well, Harry, so he had said, he didn't recognise him, but okay. he said that he had been at a party years ago. He dropped a few ah, names and okay, Harry was okay. like, oh yes, he must have been at a party here. So he knew got- him. So he so when he ran away, he's like, oh, this guy will be able to find out who I am. Yeah, that- so they, oh, had okay. a quite, they had friends in common, but he couldn't place them. Mm. But he did seem to be familiar with the house. Okay, and he was okay, dropping okay. a few names yeah. so basically Malcolm rang Docky Guard Station and he said look that whole thing at Harry Beeling's house was a big joke it was a bit of a prank gone wrong now the guards were like okay this is odd so the classical because like <laughs> I had to laugh because uh, <laughs> one of the guards said wrong. we knew something was up because like you know this classical music's playing in the background so Jesus. straight away you're thinking nobody listens to classical music <laughs> like something's up here <laughs> i like that's what turned them off i just have to laugh so that was what would be th- like why isn't he listening to kate bush what's going on <laughs> this is weird so this was no something's off this was one of the things a guard said in an interview like that this alerted them that something was yeah. up if duran duran isn't playing then he must be the murderer <laughs> so, <laughs> so they got him <laughs> the guard asked for the man's name and this is just this is insane so basically your man said what's his name and Malcolm obviously had a bit of a brain fart and he said Malcolm MacArthur so he straight away panicked <laughs> and said and the guard repeated the name Malcolm MacArthur because he's obviously taken down the name and then Malcolm says yeah I'm from Gardner Street and hung up the call because he was like okay Beck, like I'm after giving my real name here mm. um, so the guards wrote down the name but they didn't have an address so Harry then they went back to Harry and he said you know what there was this woman who was always at my parties mm. and when I read about this woman I was like oh my god I'm sure in years to come people will be saying oh there was this woman who was always at my parties and mm. her name was Julie J like this <laughs> Betty was me Betty Brighton was me always at the party yeah. so Betty never was brought there. her own drink <laughs> <laughs> I remember her. I remember her. <laughs> um, can I the can? Um, yeah, so that was me, stroke Betty. So Betty, Harry's like, I bet you Betty will know this guy. So the guards go to Betty, they describe Malcolm, and she says, I know the guy, his name's Malcolm MacArthur. So mm. then they go to his last known address, which was the flat in Donnybrook, owned by Patrick Connolly, the Attorney yeah. General. There's no one in that flat. So they go to Patrick Connolly's house in Dalkey. Brilliant. To see, do they have an address? He have, does he have an address for Malcolm MacArthur mm. but sure of course who is there only Malcolm MacArthur oh my god so Patrick Connolly is completely floored he obviously says I he, his actual quote was I don't know what this is about Malcolm but you're on your own like he had, did not see this coming at all mm. um, unfortunately for Patrick he had planned to go on holiday to America a couple of days later now he Mm. planned this holiday for ages so we all know like you've planned a holiday you're looking forward to it Um, so he denied any involvement the guards would later exonerate him of any wrongdoing at all he wasn't able to go on this holiday but he did go on the holiday well that's good so this just one word optics like this did (laughs) not look good so the media kind of framed it that he fled to the states okay yeah so it kind of gave him the illusion it gave the illusion of someone on the run and then he got hounded by reporters in new york 
so he had to mm. actually come back early from the holiday i think if you're and it's i know if you've planned a nice holiday and you look for it for a long time like that's something you should it's a tough decision but if you've been housing a mass murderer and you're the attorney general and you're the attorney general i think it's I think you're going to have to put Postpone that holiday on pause, unfortunately. Yeah. So sadly, New York's not going anywhere, you know. <laughs> sadly, he didn't take that advice. Yeah. Yeah. Killian, if only you were alive 11 years earlier. Um, you need to talk to the attorney general. <laughs> I need to give him some advice. I don't think you should go on that holiday. So he, sadly, he didn't have anyone as wise as Killian in his ear. He mm. went on the holiday. <laughs> and on the way back, obviously, started writing his resignation letter because mm. it cost him his job. And as we've already established, more distressing still, it also cost him his holiday. Yeah. So, like, Terrible. yeah. The following <laughs> Tuesday. A crime or a, a, what, a, what a victim of, the biggest victim of this whole thing, you know. <laughs> This poor guy. The real <laughs> tragedy. Okay, so the following Tuesday, Charlie Hawhey, the tea shook. Uh, he now he wasn't too impressed because he was on his holidays down in Kerry. You know the way he bought a Blasket Island. Yeah, and he's quite a reputable man, like of honor and stuff I like mean, that. So this is. is really rubbing the wrong way. And I also, think, like you know. this, you know, it's kind of the I would say the one singular stain yeah, on what is otherwise a pristine yeah, record, a white sheet record. <laughs> so Charlie has to come back early from the Blasket and really he appears at the press conference and he describes the events as uh, grotesque, unbelie- unbelievable, bizarre and unprecedented. So then they were later short- shortened to the infamous acronym Gooboo by one of uh, Charlie's biggest enemies, Connor Cruz O'Brien. Mm. So Gooboo then became shorthand for anything basically that ha- he fecked up. Okay. It was like, oh, this term was wheeled out. But of course, this whole thing led to the downfall of, was one of the events that led to the downfall of Hawhey's government a couple of months later. Now, oh. I suppose kind of on a final note with this, for reasons unknown, the guards only charged Malcolm with Bridie's murder, not Donald's. Now, hmm. when the, yeah. So it's, I mean, basically Donald's family have campaigned for a long time because they wanted him to be charged with birth, both murders yeah. for obvious reasons. Like they have lost their loved one who was entirely yeah. innocent. The DPP at the time said the reason they didn't charge him with Donald's murder as well was that the sentence he was going to get was life. Hmm. So it was essentially null and void if they did two trials. Ah, but because it's not it about a, that, is it? It's at not. All? No. Yeah. I mean, it really isn't. And I guess that is one, I suppose it's a mad story, but it's kind of one of the more bizarre aspects of it as well is that a lot of people have thrown out maybe the conspiracy theory that maybe there was an element of cover up that like did mm. this would this potentially incriminate powerful people not in the sense yeah. of like you know the murder itself but like mm. was it simpler to just keep it to the one murder and a lot of people maybe have you know thrown out the possibility that there yeah. might be a bit of conspiracy theory here mm. should be said the DPP have said that was absolutely not the case and everything was above board it was just that another trial it would have been null avoid in terms of sentence but as you say it's not about that yeah well if they're saying everything's fine then everything must be fine right I mean <laughs> like of course they're like no powerful people were involved in this at all yeah uh, it, it's just but it's a real like as you say it's just something that doesn't sit right with people I'd say, I mean I'd say like if there is a conspiracy it's probably just maybe some people no one I'd imagine I'd like to think the attorney general probably wasn't like knowingly housing a lad but maybe more involved than exactly. meets the eye that kind of like yeah. like oh i'm i'm i've 
done something well, I'm, I need to stay oh, low for, for a while sure. and yeah. they helped him out in that way and, you know? but, well absolutely and I think even the conspiracy theorists like you know I think ultimately you know what they would be suggesting like just in terms of what I read and stuff what people seem to kind of say is oh exactly that that like maybe he wasn't as observant as he should have been so yeah. for for example which is something that wasn't really brought into like well it wasn't brought into the the trial because his trial only lasted five minutes yeah okay so malcolm's was, trial boom. lasted five minutes it was, it was like an boom. obvious skill okay. yeah. yeah but one of the things so for example uh killian like you're spot on like one of the things that perhaps they wouldn't have wanted to come out was Patrick Connolly actually took, in the midst of all this, he took Malcolm to um, a match, a ga match in Croke Park. Yeah. He <laughs> took him to a ga match. So he was oh, sitting there God. with glasses. He brought his nephew, like brought him to this packed yeah. stadium in the midst of a manhunt. Yeah. Like just insane stuff. Yeah. So like again, and God. people were also talking about the fact that like even at that match, his nephew Patrick Conley's nephew said like he was struck by this man. He had like grass stains on his clothes. Yeah, he was kind of very unkempt but looking. But sure, like you were saying, even the people in the pub in Finglas were like, "There's something up with this guy." Oh, people yeah. who, him, who had dinner with him were like, "There's something up with this guy." Meanwhile, Patrick Conley is like, "Like, do you want to go to the game?" The uh, <laughs> and, and like we're talking about like the highest legal position in the land. Yeah. And like his nephew, he was so young at the time, was like, mm. "There's something up with this." <laughs> guy and like his so it's that kind of shit i think the conspiracy theorists are like is it that they just wanted to keep that kind of stuff mm. out of you know yeah anyway yeah, yeah. just uh, obviously but he doesn't confessed right with he the, confessed to both murders he did he so, wrote a 21 page confession um the psychiatric God, like, teams at involved at least have the grace to keep it short as well like come on like get to the point <laughs> i'd say it was a lot yeah elaborate details <laughs> i'd say it was a lot of skipping to the final part if he if he confessed to it then why wasn't he why didn't they put him on trial for it? I don't understand as in the second murder yeah but this is it like the, the the DPP at the time what they said was look it didn't we didn't need to put him on for a sec we didn't need to try him for a second murder because mm. we couldn't have increased his sentence anyway and that is why it's so unsatisfactory yeah because as you say it's not about that it's disrespectful to the person he killed Hugely. and the family and that means something well of course because it's kind of saying in a way well that death doesn't matter that's what it that is what it's saying. yeah so it's it's re it just really doesn't sit right with people mm. at all even today understandably and psychiatric teams did not agree with obviously malcolm tried to do the whole like i was insane thing yeah they said no absolutely not insanely dumb uh, yes i mean just not <laughs> And after his conviction, um, uh, David Hanley interviewed Malcolm's mom, Irene, for Orti. It was a really interesting uh, interview. You can hear it on Gubu. And she actually said that she believed in a life for a life when somebody was murdered. So she very much kind of, in a way, distanced herself in the interview. But interestingly, both her and Brenda kept visiting Malcolm in prison for years to come. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And he actually became one of the most, he was one of the longest serving lifers in Ireland. He was released in 2014, more than 30 years after his incarceration. He's now a free man mm. and pre-lockdown had been spotted regularly frequenting Dublin city centre libraries and bookshops. Oh, God. Yeah, I know. I could like bump into him on the way home. And as we've already established, I'm a reader. <laughs> so I'm really sweating over here. Um, it should God. be said as well, obviously, that um, D Donal and Bridie's family are 
private people with Bridie's brother saying in a rare interview in 2012 that they still think of Bridie every day. And that is the absolutely mad story of Malcolm MacArthur. Jesus. It's mad. He's just now, he's just there, out there, walking just around, out there. reading books. It, reading I wonder if books. he's read the new Sally Rooney. Which, uh, you know what? That's a whole other podcast. I But like, I would say, yeah, readers, I think, I say this as a reader, I think the readers are the ones you have to watch out for. Mm. Is he a reader? You said pseudo-intellectual. Like, I'd say he's just hanging out in the libraries because he wants to look smart. I, one of those you know one of those people when you ask them what's your favourite yeah. book Ulysses yeah fuck off yeah and, and they just know that no one else has read it so they can just exactly. confidently say oh I loved it loved the bit at the start when they go swimming <laughs> 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 everyone says that I love the bit at the start when they go swimming no one ever mentions the middle what happened in the middle no one knows like when, tr- when Trump was asked what's your favourite part of oh, the Bible he that's, said all of that's, it that's a personal question it's a very personal question. Well, What's your favourite part of Ulysses? That's a very personal question. <laughs> I couldn't possibly tell you that. If anyone says to me, if I, not that I ever have asked the question, what's your favourite part of Ulysses? But mm. like, if anyone ever said to me, that's a very personal question, I'd immediately mm. presume the bit where they're having a wank. <laughs> I'd be like, that's obviously their favourite bit. The they bit. just don't want to say. Yeah. <laughs> you sicko. So that, yeah, so you can't say that. I just say all of it then. I'll say all of it. I'll take the Trumpian line. Killian, All of it. It's great. All of it. <laughs> I have to say, you're just such a joy. I really appreciate you coming in because oh, you're such a big me. deal. Um, I'm going to do a proper <laughs> intro for you when you're not here because I'm conscious mm. when people are here, it's kind of like listening to your own obituary. No, no, you can add a mind. <laughs> yeah. And add, add, put in as many was a adjectives. Great guy. <laughs> um, he was a really great person. Wait, past tense? <laughs> you think I'm going to bump into Malcolm when I leave and you're just getting Well, ready? all I'm saying is I would walk very past, fast past Hodge's figures. Okay. okay? That's what I would I would do. Killian, it's been an absolute pleasure. Of course, I mean, I'm embarrassed even saying this because you are such an internet sensation. Mm-hmm. But if we are looking for you, I mean, you're probably following Killian already, if you have any sense. Where can we find you, Killian? Well, I'm on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter um, and I'm also I'm doing stand-up gigs now so look check how do you look on the page to see when the gigs are coming Killian it's been an absolute pleasure you're mm. just such a joy thank oh. you so much thank you for having me thank you awful I guess we can't forget about the victim here and you're like oh, Jesus Christ like you know what I mean because then you feel like a monster and you're like Jesus of course we all think it's that yeah 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 Jesus yeah, let's selfie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Tired of ads interrupting your gripping investigations? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Ads shouldn't be the scariest thing about true crime. Start listening by downloading the Amazon Music app for free 
or go to amazon.com slash true crime ad free. That's amazon.com slash true crime ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 